Yes, Accountaware podcast is supported by Sage One. To find out more about how Sage One supports accountants, visit sageone.com forward slash accountants. Hello and welcome to the Accounting Web Podcast. I'm Tom Herbert, Business Editor on the site. And in this edition, I'm joined on a rather crackly phone line by Hazel Moore. Hazel is Chair and Co-Founder of International Investment Bank First Capital. And in this brief chat, we discussed where she sees the future of banking, the potential fragmentation of the industry, and how future generations of accountants must react to keep up. I started the conversation by asking her where she saw the world of banking over the next 20 years. So I think that's a really interesting question. And I think in some respects, the banking industry is at a bit of a crossroads because there is a lot of talk about the need to modernise and to embrace new technology. Um, But there is also quite a lot of um, inertia. And it has to be said, it is an extraordinarily difficult problem for them to solve because they are really battling with legacy infrastructures that are probably 30 or 40 years old in in many respects and just are not uh, built and designed and architected to deliver the kind of services that people expect today in the mm. uh, in a way people are looking for ease of use they're looking for um, real-time information they're looking to leverage data um, and um, you know looking for flexible delivery of services in a in the kind of always on always connected kind of world and that's something that's really really difficult for them so I think there are some uh, regulatory things coming down the line that are going to force changes in, in, in banking services, particularly in payments. And there is some changes in legislation that are going to impact the banks um, over the next few years. There's a, there's a new directive called the Payment Services Directive 2, which is um, coming into force in early 2018. And what that is going to do is to force the banks to open up their infrastructure um, to third parties with consumer permission, obviously. Um, but that means that other um, people who could well be new entrants, people that we don't know of, um, will be able to offer payment services on top of the banking infrastructure. And one of the things that I think is, um, I mean, I think this is potentially the thin end of the wedge. And I think that um, it, 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 it does mean that there is, a, in my opinion, a significant risk that the banks over the next 15, 20 years become effectively a, a utility infrastructure for other people to offer services on top of. And inevitably, that will mean that a lot of the value will accrue to the, the, the service providers um, and, and the bank's infrastructure will become a, a commodity. Mm. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, unless they really embrace what's, what's happening, is, is a big risk for them. Can you see the banking sector sort of fragmenting a little bit like in, in the US where you have these sort of regional banking hubs, as it were, or or do you think technology is going to mean that, that the UK's sort of leapfrogs that in effect? If things go in the way that I've just described in relation to a utility infrastructure that, that becomes very commoditized, actually what is going to happen is that um, that infrastructure will, you'll need critical mass and you'll need size 
um, in order to really drive um, efficiency and profitability. So mm. in some respects, actually, that, that could argue for a consolidation of, of the infrastructure. Um, but the services that would be offered on top would be um, potentially, you know, there could be a whole plethora of services offered by a, a real range of people who are specialists in a particular application and you know, really deliver a great service. So you, you could see almost a fragmentation of the services and a consolidation of the infrastructure. Interesting, yeah. And uh, where, do you, where do you see sort of accountants uh, be the, either in practice or accountants working within businesses? Where do you see them fitting into the, uh, the banking picture? So I think there's, I mean, there is innovation really happening across the entire piece around um, financial technology, and there is, um, I think, some of the um, the things that will particularly affect accountants are around the digitization of business much more generally. Um, you know, businesses are becoming much more digital. Business processes are becoming very, very data driven. Um, they are becoming very much sort of real-time automated decision making, um, and I think for for accountants to to, to basically learn um, how to um, navigate that risk, you know, how do you assess risk where you have such huge amounts of data potentially passing through a very automated system in real time with decisions being made by machines, et cetera. You know, what kind of processes do you need as an accountant to be able to um, to really sort of deal with that and understand what's what's going on? Um, and I think um, that, you know, there, but there, is a, there is a great opportunity also to really um, develop products and services that, that leverage that data, that leverage that capability and that can offer um, in a really high quality, um, you know, I, I see big opportunities in things like uh, reg tech, reg technology for, for regulation and compliance and, and risk management, um, for, for automating and managing things like um, decision making around fraud, detecting fraud. Um, and, then, and then clearly just in terms of um, how you gather data across the business and business units and business divisions that today often operate very much in silos. Um, how do you bring all of that together to, to give a really clear, consistent view of what's happening across, across the business? Um, to, you know, to, to really sort of understand, um, the, mm. the, the overall health. And then, you know, the other aspects, you know, are, are things like sort of, um, treasury management and, 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 and payments and e-invoicing. I mean, there's a whole raft of, of new services and new opportunities that, that are opening up in, in So, in essence, of the sort of skills you need, as an accountant or, or finance professional, may well change and become a bit more sort of technology focused. So there could be sort of tools that leverage this this sort of data management um, you mentioned. So either being able to use them to sort of full capacity, or or training your clients, or or sort of training your uh, staff, as it were, to to use them to uh, get the best out of your information. I think that's a very good point, and I think what you will find is there will be much less 
collating an analysis of information, I think, because I think there will be tools that will do that for you and businesses will be very digital and, yeah. you know, and, and, and so it'll be much more the skills that you will require will be how do you query that information? How do you understand what it is you're looking for? How do you then make decisions on top of that mm. that are going to um, deliver business benefit? Um, and so it becomes much more interpretative, if that's in the word, and, um, and and much more around making forward-thinking business decisions based on on you know uh, what you can see is happening and what you know is going to happen next. Mm. Um, how painful do you think this bank sort of reconciliation consolidation uh, process, you know, in terms of the technology? How painful is it going to be? Do you think? Oh, I think it's uh, for the banks. For the mm. banking sector, I think it's going to be very, very difficult and very painful. And actually, I think that that there is um, because they just have this. I mean, you saw the Royal Bank of Scotland um, thing around um, selling Williams and Glynn, and the reason why they really struggled to sell Williams and Glynn is all around the IT um, and around how difficult it is to to, to demerge the banks and to set them up with their own technology systems. And that's just one relatively small part of the bank. Um, I think when you look more broadly across the, the whole system, you, you find those problems basically magnified a thousandfold. Um, and that's part of the opportunity for some of the new entrants um, who are basically building their infrastructure from the ground up to be digital first. Mm. Uh, just as, as, as an example, um, the, there's a, an online bank that's relatively recently got a banking license in the UK called Monzo. Mm. And you can go online and you can open a bank account um, with Monzo um, completely online with, with verification of digital identity within a matter of minutes. Um, now, if you think about opening a bank account with a with a regular sort of high street bank, it's probably going to take you a week or ten days to set up an appointment, and then you have to go there physically into the branch, and you've got to take paper documentation to verify your identity, etc. You know, it's just, um, and that's because that's how their processes are set up. So I think that you know they do definitely run the risk of, of basically uh, other people leapfrogging. Um, uh, um, you know, into into a, a sort of a, a new set of services that is more fit for the 21st century. Mm, yeah, you've um, you've mentioned there the uh, the sort of role of these neo banks or challenger banks, as it were. Do you see do you see a future? I mean, you you, you talked about things becoming more fragmented. To survive, do you think they're going to need to specialise? I, I think some of so there used to be this quite sort of. Um, uh, antagonistic approach between the, the, the new fintech companies and, 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 and the banks in some respects. The banks sort of said, oh, we don't need them, we're too big, you know, we're too profitable, it's all just kind of, um, uh, they're, they're operating around the edges, it's not going to fundamentally affect how we run our businesses. And you know, if you go back sort of two, three, four years, they were fairly sniffy about fintech. And then what you had was these new companies starting to come in and offer very specific services. It's all sort of death by a thousand cuts. But some of these some of these services are so large, actually, if you take it in the kind of the, the context of the financial services markets, that you can actually build some very big, very profitable businesses even on just one small part of what a bank does. You know, whether that's um, you know, home insurance is probably relatively small for a bank, but actually is a big business. Um, and so. 
so, and, and the fintech companies were all sort of saying, oh, we can do it ourselves, we don't need the banks. But then they realized that actually they needed to raise vast amounts of money to build consumer brands. And the banks already have those brands, they already have the customers. So you have started to see more collaboration mm. um, with, with banks realizing that, you know what, consumers are really adopting these services and that's an opportunity for them and, and, and they need to um, start to, to collaborate with, with, with companies in order to be able to, to offer these services because they can't build them themselves. And then the fintech companies are realizing that actually by partnering with banks and leveraging the assets that they have, they can scale and get to market more quickly. So I think you are getting a much more cooperative, collaborative um, environment happening um, between between banks and some of these new companies. Um, but I think you will see, I think to, to answer your question specifically, I think you will see really some very significant businesses growing up that are specializing in a certain area and doing it really, really well. Mm. Um, mm. Fantastic. Oh, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Hazel. I'm afraid we're out of time for today, but um, thank you very much for your time, Hazel. You're very welcome. Thanks to Hazel Moore there from First Capital. And thank you also to our sponsors, Sage, for their support for this podcast. You can listen again to the podcast on our website by visiting our SoundCloud page or by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes, Acast, SoundCloud or your podcasting app of choice. Thanks for listening, and remember, for the latest accountancy news, visit countingweb.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, and goodbye. This Accounting Web podcast is supported by Sage One. To find out more about how Sage One supports accountants, visit sageone.com forward slash accountants.